Good morning. It's a beautiful Sunday in the Old Pueblo, and you're listening to KTDT Tucson. Thank you for spending a part of your brunch hour with us on your downtown Tucson community-sponsored, volunteer-powered rock and roll radio station. On this week's show, we're going to speak with Lisa Hansen. She's the founder and CEO of a Tucson nonprofit called Power Over Predators. Lisa is a subject matter expert with 20 years of experience. She's a professional speaker, a trainer, an author, and a youth care provider. And she believes there's a hidden pandemic destroying our youth. We'll get the details in just a moment. Today is June 4th, 2023. My name is Tom Heath, and you're listening to Life Along the Streetcar. Each and every Sunday, our focus is on social, cultural, and economic impacts in Tucson's urban core, and we shed light on hidden gems everyone should know about. From A Mountain to the University of Arizona and all stops in between, you get the inside track right here on 99.1 FM, streaming on downtownradio.org, also available on your iPhone or Android with our very own Downtown Radio Tucson app. And if you want to interact with us on the show, Facebook and Instagram are the best ways to do that. And we also have uh, information and past episodes and um, details about our book on our website, which is lifealongthestreetcar.org. And of course, you can listen to our podcast just about anywhere you find your favorite podcasts. June is upon us. The summer is here. If you haven't made plans, and you probably have for the kiddos, remember Presidio Museum has some fun summer camps, um, like some archaeology stuff and other cool things that, as a kid, I would have enjoyed. I don't know if all kids would, but I certainly would have. Um, and then also remember, it's a little bit warmer out there, so a lot of these um, venues have modified hours for the summer. I believe the Presidio is open uh, Wednesdays now through Sundays with some limited hours uh, and probably have fewer walking tours, although they may have. Um, check out their website, um, TucsonPresidio.com, for more information about their classes and their uh, summer hours. And while you're there, check out their uh, Dandelion Cafe that's newly opened. Uh, it's in the uh, historic duplex right next to the Presidio. I uh, had some coffee and a little pastry in there the other day. Pretty darn good. And um, kind of gives you an idea of what this 150-year-old or so um, former uh, house, this row house here in Tucson, would have looked like. Anyway, all that information is over on the Presidio's website. Well, today we've got a very uh, very delicate subject. Uh, we've got Lisa Hansen. She is the founder and CEO of an organization called Power Over Predators. And uh, I will let you know now that the nature of the conversation has to do with uh, young people and um, abuse and potentially uh, the sex trafficking that is happening and the work that Lisa and others are doing to identify, prevent, and educate uh, people on this uh, this matter. So some of the things we talk about are a little um, uncomfortable. Just a little heads up there. If you've got younger people in the in the room, may or may not be suitable for them, but they um, the uh, the adults probably need that information to to share with them. But I had a chance to talk with Lisa uh, by phone just a couple of days ago, and um, this this interview was very compelling. And rather than try to edit it down into a single show, uh, we are going to do it over two weeks. So we've got this Sunday, and then next Sunday on the 11th, we'll have the the second portion of the interview today. But I found her to be very fascinating in the work that she's doing, so, uh, so crucial. Um, she's working all over the city, uh, but with 
a lot of homeless youth at risk in, in sort of a, a population of increased population in the downtown area. We thought it was important to get her perspective. And again, uh, be mindful of the uh, the topic is sensitive, so just keep that in mind as you're listening. Uh, and here's our interview with uh, with Lisa from Power Over Predators. We are joined by Lisa Hansen, the CEO and founder of uh, the program Power Over Predators, uh, something that has been ongoing for, for some time. Lisa, welcome to the show here. Thanks for having me. So I was uh, introduced to uh, your your uh, your program by uh, another guest of ours, Enrique Aldana, who was telling me that I had to talk to you. And I said, okay. And then you and I spoke a little bit a few weeks ago to get a little backstory on the program. And I was like, oh my gosh, how how, how does something like this happen in, in Tucson and, and not everyone be talking about it? So I, I appreciate you taking some time to, to share um, uh, what you're doing. Yeah, well, I appreciate the opportunity for conversation because you're right, it's it's a it's a conversation that a lot of people kind of shy away from, just really don't want to talk about, um, don't want to believe that it's something that's happening. Um, but but our kids matter and and we've got a that's my whole goal is just protecting kids. Well, the, the organization is called Power Over Predators. And can you give us kind of an overview of, of what you do? I know it's you know, we don't have a lot of time, so it's not super in-depth, but really kind of give us the idea of, of what you're doing. And then uh, I'd like to know a little bit about more how you got involved and, and the ways people can get involved to help. Sure. Um, so right off the bat, what we do is we provide prevention education. Uh, I believe that prevention is, well, it's actually the first P when it comes to on a national level. How do we approach the issue of um reducing child exploitation, specifically child sex trafficking, and they bring up four Ps and it starts with prevention. And then it goes to protection and prosecution and then partnership. Uh, the interesting thing is, is across the country, prevention is what is lacking. And so I've, I've been doing prevention education for about 25 years now. And it's just such a powerful tool because it's a, it's a discussion, it's a conversation, it's um, helping kids define things so that they can be aware or, or realize that maybe they're in a sticky situation that they don't know how to get out of. So again, I could tell story after story after doing this for so many years, but, um, when we started, uh, the, the addressing the issue in Tucson back in 2010, and we found out that there was absolutely nobody assigned in law enforcement to trafficking, to human trafficking, specifically child trafficking. And so we just thought that it would be an important thing to just raise awareness and, you know, uh, conversations with law enforcement were, well, this is really nice that you're doing this, but we've never had a single case of trafficking in Tucson. So why, why the sudden interest? And what we learned from that discussion is this a discussion 25 years, I mean, for me personally, 25 years later, we're still having that people just don't know what, what sex trafficking is, what child sex trafficking is, and how big of an issue it is in every community, um, in every area. Uh, it is it is not discriminatory. It, it will find itself wherever it can. And so I, the I, I know when, when I'm sorry to interrupt, but I know when you and I were talking, I think that's the thing that really hit home for me when you were talking to law enforcement and they're saying, well, we don't have a problem. And then right. you went through and, and explained to them what the definitions were 
Correct. And all of a sudden, like, oh, well, we have a huge problem. Right. And what was ironic about that scenario was at the time when we were having this discussion and they said that they'd never had a single case, it was because they didn't understand the definition of, of child sex trafficking, where anybody who's a minor, a child under the age of 18, if they participate in any type of sex act for any Thing of value. It is the felony crime of child sex trafficking. And we can, we can go into that a little bit more, but what was interesting at the time was there were eight girls in juvenile detention serving time for prostitution. Mm-hmm. Now, what doesn't make sense there is if we're talking about juvenile detention, so we're definitely talking about minors, and a minor cannot legally consent to prostitution. So they, instead of being called child prostitutes, I really encouraged the narrative to switch to they are prostituted children. And so we had people serving time, especially girls serving time and facing facing criminal charges and being charged with crimes of prostitution when in fact they were victims of child trafficking. And so this is not to, to shine a negative light on law enforcement. We've, we've made a lot of changes. And um, once you understand the definition, it's like, Oh, okay, I get it now. And so I think, I think what, what most of us really don't understand is the implications of what's happening with our youth online. Um, because 88% of the sex trafficking cases today are happening online. They're happening on Instagram. They're happening on Facebook. They're happening on child apps. They're happening on gaming apps. And people are like, but I thought trafficking was a child being kidnapped. It's absolutely not. Uh, a child can be trafficked behind their own screen at their home while they're playing a video game because they are participating in or they are being coerced into giving nude photos of themselves or videos of themselves to a predator online who is using that content to either A, sell it as child pornography, which now we have a transfer of funds. So it just, it's a very deep, dark um, situation that just so many people aren't aware of because we don't see it happening in front of us. We don't believe that it's happening. So we have to take a look at it. And for me personally, because it's happening to children that are so very young and the average age where a child gets a phone now or a smart device is six. Mm. And so, you know, it's, if we don't, if we aren't protecting our kids and we aren't aware of how predators are using, uh, especially devices to get to kids, um, then they're just, how, how does a child stand a chance? I always compare it to shark infested waters. You know, it's like a, how is a child going to not get pulled down by one of those sharks when there's uh, the uh, FBI release? The number is at any given time, there's over 500,000 um, predators online. So that's one child against oh, that many predators that are out there hunting for kids online. So it, for me, that's where the education piece comes in. I appreciate I appreciate the idea of needing to prosecute traffickers and I appreciate needing to protect people with aftercare. But the problem is, is all of that is too late because that means something's already happened that, that, that child has been abused or explored or exploited. And so that's why prevention is, is just key in this conversations. That is uh, Lisa Jensen. She is the, the CEO and founder of, power over predators and we're going to finish uh, the second part of this conversation in just a few minutes after the break 
And uh, just as a reminder, this is going to spread out over two weeks. So what you're hearing today are really parts one and two of a four-part series, um, all focusing with uh, Lisa and the work that she's doing and her team is doing at Power Over Predators. My name is Tom Heath. You're listening to Life Along the Streetcar and Downtown Radio, 99.1 FM and streaming on downtownradio.org. This podcast is sponsored by the Mortgage Guidance Group and Nova Home Loans. If you enjoyed this podcast, keep listening or head over to lifealongthestreetcar.org for all of our past episodes, current events, and things to do while visiting Tucson. Tom Heath, NMLS number 182420. Nova, NMLS number 3087. VK number 0902429. Equal housing opportunity. Welcome back. Uh, we're in the middle of our our conversation with Lisa Hansen, the founder and CEO of Power Over Predators. I uh, mentioned this a few times, but this is a two-day episode. So we have four segments, one before the break, one after the break, and then we'll have two segments next week on the 11th to, to cover this topic. It's quite in-depth. And if you're just joining us, please note that uh, the nature of the conversation is somewhat sensitive. Uh, Power Over Predators provides education and prevention techniques for um, those that are at risk for uh, for abuse and sex trafficking. And as we find from from Lisa, it's more prevalent than we'd like to uh, to think. Uh, but again, the, uh, the topic can be sensitive. The conversation can be delicate. So just be aware who might be listening. Uh, we're going to jump back into the interview and get a little sense of the importance of what the work that they're doing. And uh, in this part of the uh, of the interview, we're going to talk more about the um, uh, the ways that they engage uh, with the community. That is what Power Over Predators does. We have prevention for parents, for teachers, for kids. Um, we've been our content is available for fifth grade through college students. Right now, we are producing um, content for children that are K through five at this point. Um, big person who likes to dig and I ask the question, how did we get here? And, and trafficking is one of those topics where um, people want are very interested in and, and, and want to understand what it is, but, but you have to figure out how you got there. And, and where we got there is that, you know, we have an abuse epidemic. Um, I, I call it the silent epidemic that is taking out our kids today because the numbers that just came out um, from the CDC are, you know, 588,000 children were abused in 2021. That includes all different forms of abuse, including sexual exploitation. And the the highest age group of children that were being abused were so sadly zero to five years old. And that, and that number, so, that, that 600,000 number, that's that's of identified reported cases. So that it's correct. likely that that number is significantly larger. Oh, for sure. And that's what they were saying, even in the, you know, in the report that they believe that the, the report is low because obviously, you know, re- 
reporting on these types of statistics are always a couple of years behind. And, and that was during COVID when most kids, a lot of report, reports come from kids that are at school, you know, a teacher or uh, somebody recognizes a child care provider recognizes the signs of abuse. And so they're, they are assuming that many, many children went unnoticed and unreported because they were stuck at home. And you, when, when we spoke, you were talking about, um, it just it's some very simple examples of of uh, of identifying a, a toxic situation, and I think we're talking Correct. about like the some of the homeless youth, especially like in the in you know as we get into the urban area, you've got larger uh, concentrations of urban youth, and and right. uh, and just the the day to day survival of maybe finding food or a place to stay can can right. lead to a toxic scenario. For sure. And that's, you know, it's kind of exactly how I started presenting this concept was based on my own story. Um, Because at four years old, uh, that's when sexual abuse began. And as a result of that, for me personally, it just the identity crisis that I had of just believing that I was worthless um, motivated me to uh, to run away when I was 14. And for me personally, I felt like running away was something that I was in co- total control of. I, I did not consider myself a homeless youth, even though I was couch surfing, you know, and, um, but I felt like I had a root, I had a roof over my head. I'm not homeless. I'm in control. And, uh, long story short, uh, after I'd been missing for a while, um, again, I didn't consider myself missing. I knew where I was. So there's a mindset behind kids that run or that are homeless that they, why are they running? You know, why are they in that situation? Because they're, they're running from something to, to protect themselves. And, and so my situation, um, uh, my, it was not my parents that were my abusers. It was extended family members. And um, so when I ran, it was a very big shock to my parents because it was just, they didn't see it coming. But when the law, when law enforcement found me, um, they presented the option to my dad to, um, you know, have me be arrested and taken to juvenile detention for running away or, you know, he can knock on the door with them outside saying, you know, you can either come home with me or you can go home with them. And so I chose to go home with him, but my case was never, they didn't look at the, uh, they never questioned the men that I was living with at the time. They were all adult men. The, uh, the trafficking that was taking place that nobody would have identified as trafficking. And like what you brought up is the, the need to survive. Um, a lot of, of youth on their own and youth on the streets and uh, who feel like they, they, they wouldn't classify themselves as homeless. They, whatever they do, they do to get by to survive. And um, so for, for youth, when I, when I present to youth, you know, I, I caution them to protect themselves because there's, there's nobody out there has the right to make them do something um, for a meal, make them do something sexually for a meal, make them do something sexually for a ride across town. Um, it's just incredible uh, the risk that the homeless youth have uh, placed upon them because they just have an extended level of vulnerabilities that are taken advantage of. And here, here you are at around 14 years old and the, the police are coming to talk to you, whereas you're in a, in a situation where all, no one even investigates what's, what's happening around you. 
Right, right. And it was just more, you know, they run away, returned home to family. You know, that was how my case was closed. And, you know, again, I don't hold, this isn't to, it's, it's just a lack of awareness. It oh, is a lack of education. Oh, right? understood. It's, yeah. It's, it's, I don't think it's, yeah. it, it's anyone not caring. It's just not understanding that, 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 that situation was as bad as it was. Correct. Correct. And, and it didn't get any better. I, you know, I, I ran away again and, and ended up in Kansas city for, for quite a while on the streets until I ended up pregnant with my first son. And, and, uh, you know, it, it just, um, one of the things that I did have instilled in me was just the value of, of children. And, and so I saw, even though I was so young, I saw the value of what, I had, and it was a big life change for me to start taking care of myself so that I could take care of my son. And unfortunately, I married um, I, I, I married my abuser, and so that didn't go well, and I had to run from that situation. So, you know, you you look at the bunny trail of of starting with sexual abuse, ending up being trafficked, and then ending up in domestic violence. It's a very uh, vicious cycle that um, many, many people can relate to. And so that's why I just felt like there's just, there's just nobody talking to kids about this. Mm. Kids are just totally unaware and, and have no voice. And we really saw that the need for prevention um, was finally recognized when one of the biggest schools here in Tucson, uh, elementary uh, and middle schools, elected to have us come in and do an awareness presentation for the youth. And we had, that day that we had three kids come forward and the most significant one. And I, I apologize for the, the severity of, of what I'm going to say because it just makes people so uncomfortable, but you've got to put yourself in the mindset of this is a 12 year old child who this is their life. And so their story deserves to be told. But once we defined trafficking in a way that a 12-year-old or an 11-year-old could understand, um, she confided that she believed she was a victim of, of sex trafficking. And when we asked her what was going on in her world, her, her simple answer was, well, whenever my mom's not home, her boyfriend makes me have sex with him. And then he pays me $20. And he told me that I'm a whore and that nobody's going to believe me and that my mom's going to hate me if I say anything. So again, that completely disrupts the idea of what we believe child sex trafficking is because that little girl was being trafficked right out of her own home under her own roof, you know, with, with her mom, completely unaware of the abuse that's taking place. And, you know, so, but man, once they get that definition, once they understand it, it empowers them and they believe that somebody cares enough to tell them the truth. And so now they believe that somebody might care enough to get them the help that they need. That's Lisa Hansen. She's the CEO and founder of an organization called Power Over Predators. Uh, it started here in Tucson and now their, their program material is being used uh, across the country. Um, but uh, Lisa uh, and her team are doing really, really nice work. And again, this is a, uh, a two-day event. So next Sunday on the 11th, we're going to have the final two segments of our interview with her, um, talking about some uh, upcoming programs, things that are just about to launch here in July, ways to get involved, and then the overall importance of what they're doing uh, within our community. 
My name is Tom Heath. You are listening to Life Along the Streetcar and Downtown Radio, 99.1 FM and streaming on downtownradio.org. Support for Downtown Radio is provided by the Tucson Gallery. Located in downtown Tucson inside of the proper shops at 300 East Congress Street, the Tucson Gallery offers original work, reproductions, and merchandise from Tucson artists like Joe Padgett, Jessica Gonzalez, Ignacio Garcia, and many more. For information about all the artists, including when they will be live at the gallery, head to the TucsonGallery.com or find them on Instagram and Facebook as Tucson Gallery. All right. This is going to be a, a wrap for us here on episode number 250. Holy smokes. We started back in October of 2017, took some time off during COVID, uh, episode 250, and uh, haven't done the math or the exact count, but my guess is we've interviewed over 200 people uh, to make that happen, because we've had some people on multiple times. We've, we've re-aired a few episodes that have been in, in, uh, intriguing, but my guess is we've had about 200 interviews. Uh, all of those are housed on our website, lifealongthestreetcar.org, if you want to check out past episodes. Uh, it's really fun to go back to the olden days back in 2017 when I had no idea what I was doing. Uh, the sound quality was horrible. Um, the interview questions were horrible and our guests were fabulous. Now uh, I know what I'm doing and uh, our guests are even more fabulous. And I'm hoping the uh, the questions are better and the sound is better. But thanks for your support over these last 250 episodes. And if you want to learn more about the station on which we're housed, Downtown Radio, head over to downtownradio.org. You can check out all of the volunteer DJs. Everything that this uh, station does within our community is really fantastic. We, we have a, an emphasis on rock and roll, but we also highlight mental health awareness uh, and try to destigmatize those seeking um, services for mental health. In fact, at the top of the hour today, we have Ty Logan with his show Heavy Mental. Um, just a great, great weekly episode of, uh, of Ty putting forth some very candid and honest um, uh, commentary as to what's happening within that world. Heavy Mental uh, with Ty Logan coming up at noon. And on our website, uh, downtownradio.org, you can check out all the other shows following us uh, right after us. And before Ty, we've got Words and Work with Ted Prozelski. Ted uh, interviews people from uh, the, the labor movement. He also interviews writers. He does a uh, rock mix show during the week. Uh, like some of our DJs, he does double duty and uh, does does a fabulous job. All that information is on the website. Schedule of events, uh, Monday through Saturday, pretty much rock mix, and then on Sundays, alternative types of music and uh, uh, these these talk shows that we, that we put out. And I, I just keep finding more and more stuff to love about this day. So just when I think I've heard everything, I click on a time when I don't normally listen, and like, oh, well, this is new. And... Uh, Truthfully, sometimes it takes me a while to get into the rhythm of something, uh, and not everything's for everyone, but I have certainly um, increased my range of music understanding and love because of the time and effort of all of our volunteers on Downtown Radio. So that being said, when you're over the website, check out the schedule, hit the donate button, because that is how we stay afloat. We are nonprofit. We get some money from our uh, underwriting but most of our money comes from you. We need that uh, that support. And if you click an ongoing donation monthly, it helps with that budgeting process. We're volunteer run, so the money goes to support the station and make our programming 
and uh, the quality of what we do even better. If you've got suggestions for us on the show itself, you can head over to Facebook and Instagram, Life Along the Streetcar, and tag us in something, messenger us, if you want to messenger us. That works there as well. And you can head over to our website, lifealongthestreetcar.org. Check out, like I said earlier, our past episodes. There's also a contact button and information on our book. I say it's our new book, but I think we've released it like in almost two years ago, so it's not new anymore, but it's still pretty cool. So we're going to leave you with a a little music today that uh, ties into our theme. This is from a a duo called Carling and Will, and I found it off of a 2017 self-titled album, and the, uh, the name of the song is Protect the Innocent. My name is Tom Heath. I hope you have a great week, and tune in next Sunday for more Life Along the Streetcar.